Welcome back to Three's a Crowd Pod, everybody. Thank you for joining us for episode nine, where today we're going to talk about the good, bad, and ugly with, uh, with sports. Uh, and, and we're going to cover an unfortunate event that happened last night, if you guys all uh, caught the Bills game. We're going to talk about our travel experiences. Uh, these guys, I know, these guys have some interesting stories on that. Uh, and uh, we're going to wrap it up with, uh, with a hot take, as we usually do. So let's get into episode nine, guys. Make sure to... Make sure you're like, commenting, subscribing. Make sure you're doing all that fun stuff. Make sure you're if you're on Spotify, you know, give us a little follow. Make sure you're 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 in it. Make sure you're in it to win it. Make sure you're you're accessing what we're saying and and developing some rational thought in the comments. If you're on our TikTok, leave some stupid comments so I can clap back at you. Um, yeah, just keep just keep giving us some love. Keep us, drop some likes, drop some likes, drop some subscribes. Thank you, thank you very much. Guys, let us know your honest opinions down in the comments. Is Ray a Republican, a Democrat, or do you think maybe he's just independent? Let us know. All right. So I think right now we are actually streaming on YouTube for the first time, which is kind of exciting. I think we are. I can't verify that right now because I'm sitting here. And to get out of this, it's a maze of moving microphones. But I hope we are. And if you're on YouTube... I love it. Thank you for being on YouTube with us. Um, let's uh, let's get into sports, gents. Why don't we? So, first, let's address fantasy football, right? Because as you, if you've been listening, you know that we're. Oh, this is Cooper, by the way. All right, Cooper introduced. Um, if you have been watching, you know that we uh, we're in a fantasy football league together. I lost in the first round of the playoffs to Andres. Andres advanced. They had a first round bye. Um, this week was our championship week, and Nick absolutely dominated, dominated the scene. Man, he was, he was. I mean, Andres, Andres. Usually, whenever he plays an opponent, that opponent will go on to score like the least amount of points that they've ever scored in a given week. And somehow, the Santaria curse was reversed. For those of you who uh, have been listening to our pod, in week one of our fantasy league, I played Andres. And that's when Andres developed what we call the curse. Not him, but he cursed other people. He beat me 150 to my team barely scored 100, maybe 101. Um, And since then, Andres' team, who everyone recognized as fairly mediocre in the fantasy world, to, you know, not great. He would always find a way to score 110 points while an opponent who had a better team on paper scored less than 100 almost every time. And Andres was in the top three uh, for, like, most of the season, like almost the whole season. And so with the, with the game before the playoffs, I played Andres, and I broke that curse, and I beat him. And that's when I started feeling a little, little positivity but then the finals game came, and Andres' curse came back with a vengeance. I lost Derrick Henry. I had, uh, I had Tyreek Hill and Jeff Wilson Jr. for the Dolphins, and Tua was out with a concussion. And we had two-glove Teddy coming in. So I was like, oh, man, the curse is back. But I was able to, you know, you know, just my team didn't do that well, honestly. But Andres' team had a real rough go. 
doesn't really matter when my team scores 100. I mean, 69 points. 69, but just not enough to win a championship game, clearly. Yeah, as as commissioner of the league, I uh, we have a group chat, so you know I made it very clear that because uh, Andres, Andres and Nick both had players that were left uh, from the Bills game. Um, if you didn't, if you haven't been on the internet at all, or you haven't been watching TV at all, if you've been completely disconnected from all sources of media, then you do not know the super unfortunate events that happened uh, during the Bills game. Um, Demar Hamlin, twenty four years old. Uh, suffered a cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, he's currently in critical condition in uh, the UC hospital up there in Cincinnati. Um, dude, like it's that's a scary sight. It's a scary sight, man. It's 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 tough to see that. And I'm from what I'm from what I've you know heard about. Like I've watched a couple of videos of, of doctors you know explaining what exactly happened. It was just a, a matter of timing, right? Like it was just it was just a matter of of his heartbeat and when he got hit. So I guess his heart, I guess he got hit right above the heart, pretty much in the perfect spot. Um, and a point of like a downbeat, like it was just like, not when his heart was going to be like, you know, pumping more blood. So that induced a cardiac arrest, which is he, well, he stood up, you know, he looked fine and he just passed out. They administered CPR for, I think it was like nine minutes they got the AED device out um, to shock his heart back. They were able to get a, a pulse back. Um, but right now he's, he has a breathing tube in and he's in critical condition. And it's so tough to see that on, on the football field, dude. It's so tough. You know, no one really cares about the game at that point. We just, you know, everyone wants to make sure that that he's okay and that he's going to be able to, you know, live out the rest of his life, whether or not it's playing football. You know, it's, it's it shows you that, you know, it's it's the game is is very small compared to the health of, of of the players. I think it also shows how fragile life is, and you know when you see these football players, they're massive guys, balls of muscle, running into each other full speed, taking you know taking a beating, um, and this hit wasn't particularly brutal. It was, I, I think, probably for NFL standards, it would be considered a softer hit. It just happened to be a horrible, you know, horrible timing, which the the right timing to stop his heart and the right placement of the hit to throw his the rhythm of his heart off and cause him to, you know, go into cardiac arrest. And you know, that that does show how fragile we are as humans because. Um, crazy things like that can happen and and can can really uh shake up your world and and are pretty devastating um you know but i think at the at the end of the day i hope that all the all the football players realize that if it's if if they love the game enough and you know if i mean i guess i would understand if that scared them enough to i don't know even retire like i, I you know i get it like you could do other things in life it's you have options in life, but if they love the game enough and they, you know, are, are passionate about the sport and passionate about what they do, I hope they continue on and are, and don't play in fear and realize that, you know, like no other way to put it really shit happens and it could happen. It could happen in anything in life where you could wrong place, wrong time type of thing. I think 
Um, one of the reporters said it really good, just touching on what you said about life being so fragile and you, you're not really knowing what can happen, like the next minute, hour, day of your life. Um, he's, he's 24 years old. He was drafted in the sixth round, possibly playing the biggest football game of his whole career. He's playing in a, a, a massive division game um, on a Monday night, prime time. He's probably... There's probably nowhere else in the world he would have rather been in that moment. And for something like that to happen so unexpected, it really puts in a perspective how life can change so fast, which which is pretty scary. So like you were saying, I hope that the NFL takes it serious and the players take it serious um, and also realize that, that, that what they do is dangerous. But if they really do love the sport to continue their craft and go forward and understand that this really is a freak accident. I mean, we've been watching football games all of our life and never seen anything like this happen on the field. So um, not to take it too heavily and, and just to realize that this isn't something that happens all the time. I I can't even remember a time where we, we've seen this many serious injuries in a, in a single NFL season ever, dude. Like, it's 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 nuts. Like the amount of concussions that we've seen, the amount of like just people getting up and just having you know exhibiting gross motor instability. Like it's just it's been it's been really it's been really uncomfortable to to see how how often these guys are getting hurt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's been it's been really uncomfortable to see uh, how much these guys how much their body suffers. You know. I mean, they're getting granted. They're going to pay millions of dollars, but is that worth an early retirement to the grave? Is it like, like is 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 a sixty million dollar contract worth you know not being able to remember your your wife and kids when you're when you're forty five, fifty years old? I mean, I, I don't know, man. Dude, and what's what's sad and touching on th- some things that I oh there goes big on on Twitter yesterday where people kept saying it's bigger than football. It's bigger than football. Uh. They say that, uh, and I say, oh, because I'm, uh, football is like, football is a huge thing in America and worldwide. People get so involved in it and people get so wrapped up in it. And people do that, not just in football, but in everything in life. Like people get wrapped up in their jobs. People get, get an obsession over, over earning, over making money. And then it's when things like this happen. It's when unexpected things like this happen where it like it like snaps people out of out of their you know their trance or their their obsession and people are like holy shit there's more to life than just this than just that and um you know it's i think it's i think it's i think it's sad that 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 sometimes it has to come to like these things for people to to wake up and be like Oh shit. Like wow. This is a, uh, you know, there's another side to football other than that they're superstars making a ton of money. So, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons to be learned when 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 things like this happen because we're uh compassionate as people and and um, you know, I hope that I hope that this serves as a not just a temporary uh wake-up call to I guess just generally appreciate life, you know? I think there's a lot that can be taken away from this this one incident.
what I was explaining to my mom is that this isn't like this injury, this event is not necessarily unique to football, right? Like right now, Nick can punch me in the exact spot at the exact wrong time, and I could suffer the same fate. Essentially, if it's a hard enough hit, if it's precise enough, and if it's at the right timing, that that you know that terrible timing, I can suffer that same fate. So it's not necessarily an injury that is a result of football play and that can be addressed by like extra padding or anything like that. It's like, like a concussion maybe can be avoided if, you know, new technology comes out. I, I don't know what measures the NFL can take in order to prevent, you know, another injury like this happening again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, I've seen people break legs and, you know, break their arms, break their fingers, but I've, I've never seen someone like literally almost die on the football field. I've never seen that, and it's 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 a scary thing for the NFL moving forward. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a rough year for the NFL this season. Like you said, never had a season like this where it feels like every week we're talking about somebody getting a concussion, somebody going out for the year. Um, so I'm curious to see how the NFL is going to respond to this, and 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 hopefully. I know there's not drastic changes that can be made. I mean, these are these are injuries at the end of the day, and I wonder if they'll ever get to the bottom of it. I personally think that people with technology are just getting stronger, faster. Like, these hits are just becoming way more violent, and not because the individual is violent or trying to hurt the other person. It's just the defensive end that used to be 6'6", 310 pounds, and used to just bust through the line and hit the quarterback is now a 6'6", 265-pound absolute stallion of an individual who's running a 4'5", and moving like a running back who's half his size. That's, that's scary. You see these linebackers that are built with muscle from head to toe running like if they were a running back or a sprinter hitting people at full speed. I mean, there's got to be these, I mean, people will get hurt. Like that, that's just a fact. So I'm wondering what the NFL can even do about this. And if they really have to put their foot forward with the technology and, and really look at the gear from head to toe and see where they can make improvements, because I agree with both of you, this, this year has been pretty tragic. I mean, we've seen so many key players go down. We've seen so many teams battle with injuries. I don't know how many teams are playing with a third or second string quarterback. And they're, and it, it's funny because this was the year that they went so hard last year and this year on don't hit the quarterback this way. Don't do this. Don't do that. You can't hit somebody like this targeting here. And it's like, it's clearly not working because people are continuing to get hurt. Quarterbacks are going down left and right. So I don't know if it has to do with the rule. It has to do with the gear, but I think that NFL is in an interesting place right now compared to all the other sports on this injury plague they're kind of dealing with. And, and I'm curious to see how they're going to be able to respond to this. I mean, I think, I think it's also important to note that football is, inherently a more physical sport than any other sport that i mean hockey is you know hockey's yeah. very physical but football you know it you're using every part of your body on every single play i mean you know injuries are going to happen i no one could foresee the thing that happened to demar hamlin happening you know but you're, you you have to expect to a certain extent that injuries are going to occur and and the nfl is responsible for you know keeping their players safe and 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 promoting safety um but getting away from the NFL and, and all these terrible things that are happening. I want to formally congratulate Nick 
on winning the championship. First place winner right here. Yes, he, he is uh, our third winner in league history. I was the first. Um, and I'm going to see in second place for the second time. Oh, second time, second place. All right, all right. Maybe next year will be your year. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, fantasy football has been fun, man. It's, it's, it's always a good time to go out there with your – to go out there and, you know, compete with your friends, talk some shit, you know, put some money into it and – you know, just just whoever makes the best moves makes the best moves. I just want to read for anybody that follows fantasy football. I just want to read my lineup out that I started in the championship game. So anybody who follows fantasy football can be appalled at this lineup. I trotted out quarterback Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania gave me a good semifinals game. Crazy 28 points. Justin Jefferson, worst performance of the season. I mean. Zaire Alexander locked him up, got one pass for 15 yards. Jawan Dotson, Jahan Dotson, Leonard Fournette, Brian Robinson, Darren Waller, Brandon Cooks, Evan McPherson, and the Kansas City defense. I have players from the worst offenses in the NFL starting all over my lineup. And somehow I was able to make it through the season. I think I counted. I only had two weeks with the same lineup in the whole entire year. It was just constantly different people playing roles. So I want to give myself a pat on the back for making it all the way, collecting my second-place winnings with an absolute dog shit team. Literally, and I, I just want to say I had Jalen Hurts, lost him, still made it through the finals. So it was a tough year for me, but it's all right. We collected. We made our money back. Um, and we'll be back next year. I had a I had a side note that I just thought about, and last thing I want to touch on with football is that I mentioned it's an inherently violent physical sport, and honestly, I don't have statistics or anything, and I don't have guys. We don't have producer Marco here today. He's uh he's on he's on a hiatus. He's on he's on, but he's not here physically here. So. You know what? He's on his paid vacation time. Um, but, dude, I watch football and I watch MMA. It's It doesn't seem like there's as many life-altering injuries in MMA as there are in football. Like in MMA, yeah, 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 you have broken bones. But you have that in football too, and broken bones are usually, not, you know, not super severe. Like, you just... You fix your bone, you get a cast, and it's better. Um, but I don't know. What do, what do you guys think about that? Because like I haven't heard about anything really just crazy happening in in uh, MMA. That's nuts. <laughs> I mean, I mean, dude, like what? Just watching, watching. I, I get, I kind of get grossed out watching MMA. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. Like when I see someone break their fibia on a kick, I want to fucking vomit, dude. It's disgusting. And they and they fucking land back on it, and they their fucking leg folds in half. It's gross. I hate seeing it. Um, all that's not a life altering, you know, like you said, it's not a life altering injury per se. I mean, maybe you won't be able to. Maybe you walk with a little limp. You know what I'm saying a little limp, but like your life isn't like your 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 expected your life expectancy isn't gonna be any shorter. Um, but I don't know, like the blows that these guys take to the face, to the back of the head, to the throat. 
I don't know, man. I don't know. I I don't know how long MMA's been around for, like like to to the level it's at right now, like with the competitiveness that it's at right now. But I'd like to see what these guys are like when they're in their fifties or sixties. Because I'm sure they're not going to be in good shape. I'm positive they're not going to be in good shape. You never hear about concussions, though, which is interesting. Or at least maybe rarely hear about them. Yeah, I just, I feel like a part of that has to do with the the level of media coverage. I think the fantasy aspect of the NFL has created this insane, like, obsession with individual players now in the NFL where there's people on teams that maybe nobody would have ever spoken of, but it happens to be 50,000 people's running back for that season. So the second he gets hurt, everybody knows about it. It's all over social media. People are posting about it 24-7. And I think that that's why we are now seeing so much more injuries in the NFL because it's so relevant to so many people. And I don't know if from an MMA perspective, if we're getting like, like if the, if the guy in the prelim card got knocked out and he got a concussion, I don't think they're going to report that he had a concussion. He got knocked out quote unquote, and we're not going to hear too much about it where the backup running back for the Redskins who nobody probably wants to talk about, but might be playing on 50,000 people's fantasy team as a flex player gets blown up and gets carted off the field everybody's talking about it so and and i feel like the mma is so like gruesome and like so like these injuries are almost expected because they're literally people beating the living crap out of each other that i don't even know if they tell us like the extent of their injuries like in full i will i will say when you when you watch a a full card usually like Things will come out where the guy will say, yeah, um, I sprained my wrist sparring, but I decided to fight. And they usually disclose even little things like a sprained wrist. And I feel like they always talk about the, the you know, the, like, oh, I, I pulled my hamstring, but I still decided to fight. Like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they, they do mention it. And I think a concussion, specifically a concussion, would be a very serious thing, like, you're, hey, buddy, you got a concussion and you're about to go get your head smacked around. Like, you know, I, I, I just, I don't think that, that, that would fly. So, I, so, I mean, maybe, maybe they're not, maybe they're not as like, maybe they don't make, they don't make you be as upfront about your injuries as football is now. Like, maybe it's like the way football used to be where they cover things up if, if you, the player want to. So maybe it is like that, but I don't know. I don't know, like, a lot of times, like, the main fighters, they fight. They, they they just fight. Like, they're not out. They fight. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I do agree because I didn't think of that point of how they do disclose a lot of those minor injuries. And I think something also to note is that when they do spar and then they are, like, going towards, they do wear those headgear things. And they avoid like face shots. Like the guy he's sparring is not trying to knock him out. He's trying to knock out the guy who's signed up to be a sparring partner. But I, I do agree that it is interesting, like that the level the level of injuries that we've seen in the NFL, especially concussion and that like hyper focus in that concussion category. And 
I know it's also due to the fact that they changed what a concussion is now, like the concussion protocol and everything became way more serious and way more black and white where it used to be pretty vague. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they asked guys like, yo, do you want to get back in there? And they said, yeah. And they said, all right, go get in there. And that's not okay anymore. And I think that the Tua situation was one of the biggest ones that brought to light, like, hey, like, we need to take this more serious. Like, look at this guy. He probably shouldn't have been playing. And he got reconcussed. And, I mean, you were watching that game. It looked like he might have been – he might have died on the field, that Bengals game, where he's got his fingers all crinkled up. Like, that's scary. And the NFL doesn't want to see that because the fans don't want to see that at all. Like, yeah. we're, we're, we're adults, and, like, a lot of adults watching the game can comprehend what happened. But imagine a little kid whose favorite player is Tua and sees him on the ground like that with his fingers. I mean, you're freaking out. Like, like you don't know. You, you're too little to comprehend, oh, it's a concussion. Like, that happens sometimes with the hands. Like, da-da-da. So the NFL, I think, like, definitely needs to get a little bit of a rein on what's going on here. But I, I mean, hey, dude, dude, but, like, real quick. You know, I don't think I don't think these types of injuries are funny, but I don't know why Ray insists that Tua was just throwing up gang signs. Like, I don't know, dude. It's, it's kind of messed up. I mean, everyone knows Tua's gang affiliated in Hawaii. Anywho, um, I mean, dude, I played football. I mean, I played offensive line, and I I never suffered a concussion. And I mean, the teammates that did suffer a concussion. You know they're out for seven days and they're back next week. <laughs> they're back in, on. They're back practicing on Monday morning. So, it's. I mean, it, it. It's not even that it's not taken seriously on a professional level. It's not taken seriously on a on a smaller scale. So you could imagine, you know, like how many times these guys have been exposed to head injuries before they get to the NFL. Like you had, like even if they start at Pop Warner, dude. If you start at Pop Warner. You're six, seven, eight years old, and you could literally start getting concussed that young. Yeah. You start getting concussed at seven years old. Then you go to high school, 14, 15, 16, 17. You go to college. You're in college for two years. You're supposed to practice every single day, contact every single day. You get to the pros. Bro, by the time that you're, by the time that you're an adult and you're retired from the NFL, what is left of your brain? Literally, like, what is left of your brain? It's it's fucking terrifying. I want my kids to play football. If I do have kids, please, God. But, dude, it's, it's seeing these head injuries at a professional scale and knowing that they're suppressed from every every level below that, it's it's a tough sell to, like, want your kid to play football. It's a tough sell. It's a, it's a wonderful sport, dude. Most camaraderie you'll ever feel on, on, any, on any type of sporting or sporting team, in my opinion. But... It's a hard sell to convince yourself to allow your child to play football right now. It's just I, the, the, the technology is not there. Head injuries cannot be prevented on, on, a, on a sure scale. Neck injuries are still very prevalent. I mean, it's just it's, – these are life-altering injuries that, that you're exposing your children to at very young ages and progressing through as they advance through life. It's, it's... Before we jump over to the next thing, I feel like since it's a personal episode, I might as well share my concussion story. Um, in eighth grade, we were, we're on the eighth grade basketball team. Champions, by the way. Champions. Awesome squad. Um, and I, I didn't get to finish the season. Yeah, we're all on the same team, by the way. Nick, Ray, me, and then we had a few of our other friends. Cambo, Ethan, JR, 
Shout out that basketball team. Awesome squad. Um, but I didn't get to finish the season um, because one of the games midway through, I went up for a rebound. I was the taller person on the team at that time. I went up for a rebound and someone came under my legs and I landed on my head and I, I clearly had a concussion, stood up, like felt like I didn't remember the last couple plays. They were asking me questions on the bench and I was just not answering correctly. They were asking me where we were. I said, New York. They're asking me what I wanted. I said, ice cream. And, um, I do remember that day we left and we didn't really take it that serious. <laughs> um, I went to have dinner, felt like really weird. Nothing ended up happening. Like my, I know my eyes were dilated and I signed off my own concussion forms, like forged them, turned them into the school. I don't think anything can happen to me now. <laughs> turned them into the school and I played that next basketball game. That next basketball game, I set a pick and I fell back and hit my head. And I got up, uh, obviously adrenaline gets you through those first few seconds. I got up, got to the line for the foul, and I just blacked out. I fell backwards. Our coach caught me. They put me on the bench. I had to go to the hospital. And I, I literally didn't remember, like, what happened. Like, I just stood up, and the next thing you knew, I was, like, on the bench drinking Gatorade. And it was just falling out of my mouth. So it, it is very serious. And, like, looking back, I hate that I, I took it so lightly. And it's scary seeing it at this like professional level, but it is very common. Like young athletes can easily get concussions playing sports. And I think it's something that we need to take really serious because I mean, we're seeing the results on live television of what can really happen to a fully developed adult who's in the best shape of their life. So if these people are, can't battle it or are, are dealing with these injuries. I think we need to pay a lot of attention to the kids aspect as well, because like Ray said, these football kids are playing peewee football at seven years old and they don't know how to tackle. They don't know how to have proper form. They're just going head first at the other person who's coming head first at them. So it, it is, it is kind of a scary topic because like Ray said, I mean, we had my cousin over here who has a two year old son and he's a diehard he's a diehard sports guy loves soccer loves football loves baseball all he wants to do is for his son to turn 3 years old so he can put him at the little community sports thing and he said yesterday he's like I love football but I would not be upset if my son said he didn't want to play that sport and I would not recommend that he go play that sport if he chooses it himself I'm not going to stand in between it but I'd be more than happy to know that he didn't want to play football. And and it's kind of sad because it's not somebody who hates football. It's not somebody who doesn't know about football. It's somebody who's genuinely concerned for their child after watching all of these brutal injuries. So I think that's like the sad part about this. Dude, I know what, what could be a, what could be a fix, permanent fix. They wear those scuba diving helmets. They have the mask in the front that co that cover the shoulders, so your head your head can't move. You know what I'm saying? We implement something like that. Concussions are are obsolete. But the you know the thing to to touch on your point is, you could train your body to become you could become more athletic. You could become stronger. Uh, you could train yourself to endure pain. But you you can't can't strengthen your brain. You can't. You can't get, you can't make this massive thing on our little, on our little necks. Well, some, some guys have big ass necks. Tyreek, shout out to Tyreek. Um, you can't like, you know, this thing wobbles. And if you get hit from the side on the lower body, 
you can't prevent it. So scuba mask it is, I guess. And I mean, it's not even before we transition to like the more personal side. It's not even a concern of size, right? Because you know, I'm a, I'm I'm a I'm a bigger dude, right? When I was playing football, I was 275, almost 300 pounds. I'm about six three, so like I'm a bigger guy. And like like my Boy, parents, <laughs> my parents were still, you know, legitimately concerned for my safety. You know what I mean? Because it's not it's not necessarily who I'm going against. It's not necessarily how big you are. It's just like the unknown. Like like what can happen to you out there? When I was playing, I played pee wee football for a year, and I had neck roll. I was I was the guy with the neck roll out there. Shout out so, the Bulldogs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So it's 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 just you know it's not necessarily my kid's too small to play football. No, your kid's not too small. Those kids might be bigger than him, but it's the unknown. It's 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 that one hit that your kid doesn't tell you about that he comes home and he throws up throughout the night and then you know it's just he wakes up fucked up in the next the next morning. You know what I mean? It's just I want my kid to play football so bad, dude. But like it is going to be so difficult to make that decision as a parent. Like I didn't even know. I just had that conversation with his cousin yesterday. I had no idea. I did not know that, and like that was that was just me like using my common sense as as an adult, you know, that wants to have kids. That you know, making that decision for your child to play football is an extremely difficult one. With you know, with what we've seen in the NFL this year. Um, but yeah, man. If we want to jump over to the next topic, um. We want to just kind of share some experiences on, on our travel because if anybody hasn't been paying attention to the news, travel's been ridiculous lately from flight cancellations to fights on planes to all of these insane things. Um, so we figured we'd just keep the episode a little personal, share some of the stories. I, I just finished traveling. I went with my family to Beaver Creek, Colorado to go skiing. Um, I know all three of us love skiing. Nick hasn't had the chance to go in a while, but we're, we're working on making that happen. A little boy's trip, getting out there, hitting the slopes. Um, Ray's been skiing all of his life. My brother and I got to ski for the first time in, in I think it was two years together, which was awesome. Um, but the experience that we had was, was great. It was awesome. But just two funny stories. Um, if, you, if you know skiing, you know if you get on the wrong chairlift, you might get a little screwed. Not every chairlift offers you these beautiful greens and blues. And Nico and I were skiing in Vail, Colorado. We had not done that mountain yet. Um, and we stumbled upon the incorrect chairlift that took us to the peak of the mountain. And the, for anybody that knows, the legendary back bowls of Vail, it's very famous, took us to the wrong side of the mountain. And not only, you know, we, we, we can do blacks. We weren't that worried about that. We, we've done some black runs and it wasn't that big of a deal. But... Something we started to notice as we kept climbing on the chairlift was that the blacks weren't just like typical black runs, like where you get to go, get going, and then eventually you get that cliff. Now, the whole run was a cliff, and you had about a five-foot drop-in to start this run. Like if we were these pro skiers that were not, I think we counted. And it's funny because we a lot of realizations were happening when we were realizing that we had to go and get down this mountain we counted. We've been skiing five times or four times, but we haven't skied more than a total of 13 days in our whole life. So it's not like we're some pro skiers. So that was a little concerning. We made it, got through it, got down, took about 45 minutes. But I think the funniest thing that happened while we were skiing 
was um, so when we were in Vail, my brother was looking up the different runs and he found a run that was Lindsey Vaughn's favorite run to ski in the world. So we we're like, wow, that's that's badass. Like Lindsey Vaughn. We didn't do it. Completely missed it. Completely forgot about it. I didn't forget about it. And I thought that the next day was the day that we were talking about that. So we're back at Beaver Creek. And Nico goes, oh, let's do Ripsaw. Like, this is Ripsaw, the famous run. So I'm like, perfect. I'm fucking Lindsey Vaughn out there. I'm cutting through the thing. I'm like, I'm a professional skier right now. I feel amazing. Nico's going with it, too. He's just telling me, yeah. Just I'm like, Lindsey Vaughn. He's like, yep, Lindsey Vaughn, Lindsey Vaughn. So we get to the point where we're like, this is easy. Like, it's got the moguls, but it's it's not that steep. We get to the point where... And we've been going on this run now probably 10 minutes. I'm tired, you know. It's the fourth day we've been skiing. And then the cliff comes out all of a sudden. So we stop. We're like, we need a little break. So our thing was when we needed that little extra motivation to get down some of the blacks, we had some fireball shooters in the backpack. So we're like, you know what? Let's take the skis off, sit down on a mogul, and pop a shooter. So that's what we do. We do it. We go. We kill it. We get through the whole run. Nothing funny happens. We make it through the bottom. But the best part is I'm I'm pumped. I'm like, dude, we just crushed Lindsey Vaughn's run. And Nico is continuing to say, yep, yep. Then I share this story with my parents. And then he cuts me off and says, all right, I didn't think you were going to share it. But Lindsey Vaughn's run was yesterday. I've been lying to you the whole day. That was just some random black we did. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I'm over here jacked to the tits thinking that we just crushed this famous Lindsey Vaughn run. And he tells me at the end of the day, oh, sorry, I didn't think you were going to share it. So I didn't want to I didn't want to take away from your fun. So I was letting you just go with it. And I'm like, what the hell? So we just I just spent the whole day, literally the whole day thinking that I ended my ski trip at a high that I just crushed some famous skiers favorite run in the world. And it was so fake. And he just let it ride all the way till I opened my mouth to anybody but him. And I'm like, dude, come on. Like, you can't you can't do that to me. I know, right? How are you going to take that away from me? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm the best skier in the world. I'm like, dude, I haven't skied more than 13 total days. People ski all of their life, don't do any blacks, pay thousands of dollars for lessons. I didn't need that. I didn't need that. I'm Lindsey Vaughn already. I crushed it. No falls. You crushed the Lindsey Lohan slope. That's exactly what happened. Whatever the B-grade Lindsey is, which we can go with Lindsey Lohan for this episode, that was Lindsey Lohan's favorite run. And there was nothing significant, nothing special about it, other than the fact that a huge group of skiers watched us stop in the middle of the run and drink alcohol and then just take off down the slope. Dude, I, I, just, I just thought about it. I've, I've been skiing for 16 years. 16 years since I was 7 years old. That's pretty crazy, dude. I've oh, been, slopes. yeah, I've I've been to. Uh, we usually go to Deer Valley. I was, was that's it's a ski only resort, but I've been to Vail. I've been to Park City. I've been to Deer Valley, dude. And honestly, bro, like I'm not good at many things in this life. Like I'm really not. I'm really not good at many things, but skiing is one of those things that I know I'm good at, and I love it more than anything that I could do. Like it is like one of the best, like. Like I like nothing excites me more than you know putting on those boots and and going up to the chairlift, man. It is it is something else, man. When you're about to just drop in, you know, ah, oh, man, it gets me. It's it's so nice. It's so nice, man. I, I I can attest. I've seen this guy ski. It's like butter. You've never seen. And I saw him ski. We went with you right when you were still football, Ray. I think. 
I got to see this guy at a lean 275 butter down this slope at 150 miles an hour. And Nico can attest to it too. We sat back and we're like, this is impressive. This is, this is just, this is an impressive form of athleticism right here. And then the last thing I want to say about my ski experience, which I'm sure you guys will get a laugh at. So we went to this trick park and we're, and you know what? It's the last day. I'm like, dude, if I'm going to break, if I'm going to break a bone, if I'm going to break a bone, why not make it on the last day? I already had my trip. I enjoyed it. Who cares? Look, let's hit the trick park. We go down two times, semi-successful, second time being very successful, gap both jumps, hit all the little things. So I'm like, you know what? Let's go back a third time. And you know when you do something and you think like, you know what? Maybe like I'm pushing it. Like, like the second time was great. I hit every jump. I hit the thing. Maybe we should have just called it. We went back. There's got to be 30 people waiting at the trick park right now, just waiting to drop in. And I'm looking at Nico and I'm like, should we just not go? Like, should we just call it? And we're like, ah, like, let's go. Let's go. So Nico goes. He's, he's killing it. He's doing good. I'm like, you know what? There's only 15 people left. Everybody seems to be talking. Let me just drop in. I drop in. I am no more than 20 feet away from everybody up on the thing. And I go to hit the first little ramp. My ski clips it. And I eject face first off both skis. Literally eject face first like an eagle into the snow. Face first. I hear everybody laughing at the top of the mountain. And you would think people would be nice. No. People just start dropping in and jumping over my skis, jumping by me. I'm trying to, like, scatter my stuff into the corner to reboot up. I'm trying to figure out if I'm hurt or not because I just, like, sub everything's happening so fast. So if you ever do go to these trick parks and you see these things that look pretty simple, make sure that it's level with the snow because your skis will hit it and you will eject face first off of both skis. I just want to make that clear. The only input I have to offer in the in the realm of skiing, really, the only things I could remember since it's been so long is that uh, they're both they're both about my dad. I remember that I was good when I was young. You know, I don't know, I had good balance and I could do. We did uh, blues and blacks only in in Vail, which I think Vail's uh, uh, runs are considered like some of the more difficult ones. So I know that I was pretty good. It's just been so long, but. We same thing like you said. You take the wrong gondola and you end up stuck somewhere where, if you want a a green or a blue option, there's no options. You got to take the you got to go the black run. So, my dad, who found out he had a torn meniscus, had to do a vertical black run with me, just filled with moguls, and honestly, he crushed it. It was super painful for him, but he crushed it. And I was just at the bottom, like, yeah, come on, this is this is good. And then on our way all, on our way back all the way down to the bottom of the of the mountain, uh, as you know, Vale has snowboarders and skiers allowed. A snowboarder ripped, just just leveled my dad. Was hauling ass, didn't know how to stop. Tr trucked him. He flew like twenty feet. He got right back up and and was like in shock, like holy shit, this guy, this guy decked me. And um, you know, so now that I think about it. That was a that was a pretty uh, physically challenging uh, trip for my dad, but hey, I was little and I had a blast, and I'd love to go again. So whenever you guys want, let me know. So w when I go skiing, it's it's with a, a big group of people. It's my family, a different and my my dad's partner's family, um, and usually we ski we ski as a big group. 
Um, and so like, I don't really get to go on like all the runs that I want to, which is just fine. You know, you're with a group. You got to, you got to, you know, be with the group, but it was towards the end of the day. And my dad's like, take, uh, take Omar jr. And Bob, my brother, like take him on a run and like meet us down uh, like at, at the center base or whatever. I get on the wrong lift. <laughs> I get on the wrong lift. Right. Bro. And we're on the lift. I'm like, this is going really, really high. Like this is this is going really fucking high, dude. The weather's turning, bro. It is turning black. Like it is like the worst possible conditions, dude. Like probably like five feet of visibility. Like it is coming down, full blizzard, dude. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I get to the top. I'm looking around, dude. Only blacks and double blacks. I'm like, oh my god, I have two children with me, and I have to lead them down this mountain. How do I navigate this? I'm not an instructor. How do I? How do I ensure their safety? I can't see. I, what am I gonna do? So we end up just. I I send Bob and Chicho in front of me, and I go. You guys are gonna take this as slow as possible because this is a black dude. Like this is like a, a legitimate like steep ass black in Park City. Like the weather is. I'm telling you, five feet of visibility tops. I'm like, look, at every sign that you see, you stop, okay? You take it as wide as possible. You, If you go straight down, when I meet you at the bottom, I'm going to punch you in the fucking throat. Because if you get hurt, that's on me, right? I brought him up there. I brought him on, I brought him on, I brought him on, the, on the wrong lift. So if they get hurt, it's on me. Bro, I let him go first. They're doing fine, bro. Like, they're, they're going, they're going. It's, it's not that steep of a black. It's, it's still steep, but it's, like, not that bad. They get to the first time. All right. Good job, guys. Let's let's keep going. The next one, fucking like that, dude. Fucking like that, straight to the bottom. I'm like, oh my, oh my god, oh my god. Um, uh, they start eating shit, right? Because bad weather conditions, not whatever. I'm just like, I'm fine. I'm just picking them up from the like their back collars. Like, get back up. Let's go. Come on, we gotta go. We got power through. We got power through. Let's go. I mean, it was fine. No one died. No one broke it. No one tore an ACL. No one tore a meniscus. It was, it was fine. It was just fucking terrifying. I had someone else's kid with me. And, and I, had, I was responsible for his life. Because you could, you could get so fucked up skiing, dude. You could get so fucked up. We went, when we went skiing together most recently, someone fucking died. Someone, someone ran into a, into a pole or a sign, a sign and fucking died, dude. It was a famous person. It was, it was a famous person's son. Just went straight into a sign and fucking died. You could break a leg, dude. You could get so hurt skiing if you don't know what you're doing. If you go down the, if you go on the wrong chairlifts and you are forced to go down black, you are fucked. If you don't know how to do it, you are fucked. That was the issue with like our drop-in run because it was like if we drop in and fall immediately, like the run is steep enough where at that five-foot drop-in. Like, we have enough speed that we're going to roll, like, down a majority of the mountain, like, pretty quickly with the skis or without them. So it's like, dude, the amount of adrenaline you have, like, knowing that the whole entire run could be screwed up in the first three seconds, it's rough. It is. It's it's not like skiing's an inexpensive thing, right? It's like you need to buy the lift tickets and expense, and, and if you don't own skis, you have to rent skis. If you don't, if you don't, uh, you need to buy like 
uh, the the lift tickets for like however long you're going to be there. So if you get fucked up on the first day, you are fucked, dude. Like you spent all that money for absolute jack diddly dick. For a lot of people, it's the most uh, most expensive broken leg they ever got. Pay what? Several grand. Come out with a broken leg. Paid seven grand for a broken leg. How about that? Producer Marco just sent in um, that Michael Schumacher, a seven-time F1 world champion, was injured while skiing. World-class athlete. Injured while skiing. Kevin, anyone, man. You make a wrong turn, your ACL's gone, dude. You make a wrong turn, you break your leg. Dude, those boots those boots are heavy, man. Um, uh, Nick, tell us some... You love uh, Costa Rica, right? Tell us an experience you've had in Costa Rica. Let's let's move on to a different climate, a different a different region of the world. Yeah, we're get, we're gonna get a little uh, more tropical here. Um, so I went to Costa Rica twice in my life, and the reason why Ray brings up Costa Rica is because, man, that's my favorite place to visit. Favorite place. I went I went once with Andres here. Um, we went on a on a trip that our moms actually planned for us. We were we were too young to make our own decisions back then, so we got we got pushed around. But it was pushed around in a in a very good in a very good way. Um, we got to experience a lot of what Costa Rica has to offer. And when it comes to the best things about Costa Rica, I would say the fact that Costa Rica has so many different climates, so close to each other. They have mountains. They have beaches. Cold, hot humid they have all of that and so it's really cool you could experience a lot in a short in a, a short distance um another thing we did was uh uh what do you call it? zip lining where you're zip lining and you're 600 feet above 200 feet trees yeah so you're so you're 800 feet up and that's i mean that's pretty badass it's scary but it's badass um and then the best thing about it is the food hands down guys i'm a fruit lover right i love fruits uh, I think bananas are one of my favorite fruits, and I had a banana there, and my whole life changed. My whole life changed right before my eyes. If you eat a banana here in America, I don't know, I can't talk, speak for the rest of the world, but here in America, if you eat a banana, and you go in Costa Rica and eat another banana, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's like having chicken and steak. It's just not the same at all. you know. So I highly encourage people to go there, get the coffee, get the banana, see the monkeys, Okay, see the monkeys, see the women's. Okay, beautiful women's over there, beautiful beaches. Um, black sand beaches. Black sand beaches, very nice, very soft. Very soft, no rocks. I got to see Andres do a little dance, shake the hips while we were there. Andres was dancing. He was dancing with some, uh, some, uh, some Latin men. I'll, I'll jump in and share a little bit about this trip because it, it was an awesome experience. Um, I guess I'll start with the dancing part because Nick led off with that. We had a dancing class where we had two women come and, and show us how to dance. And, you know, I, I've got great hips. I was in great shape. I was like a sophomore in high school. I was peak form. You know, I was loose. And I, I'm, I'm dancing with this grown woman. And I, I think we're doing great. I think we're having a great dance. And apparently it got a little too intense. It was a little too... Uh, inappropriate of dance moves going on and, and they shut it down they they literally shut the program down i can i can um i can confirm that this is true we were there with some american people and they're not used to you know 
that sexy dancing style with the hips and the and the and the women's the women's butt region area, you know, shaking it. And so there was a lot of that going on, and it was, I mean, I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome. There's no other word for it. But the uh, the uh, the American women there were very uncomfortable with it. Now, Andres, man, never saw a bigger smile on his face in my life. <laughs> but <laughs> but that was that was funny. That was true. So yeah, so they they shut it down. Asked the ladies to leave. We didn't get our full dance class. Seemed to have been my fault. I don't think I did anything wrong. I think I was just enjoying myself and expressing my Latin heritage. But that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, the trip was awesome. I mean, we really got to see a lot of cool things from Costa Rica. We got to go on a horseback tour. We got to go whitewater rafting. Like Nick said, we got to go zip lining. But I, I mean, at least to me, the best part was we, we got to give back to the community. And when we say we were in Costa Rica, we weren't staying in the resort in the city in Costa Rica. We're about two and a half hours from a main city. We were at a, a hotel that is not a hotel anymore. It was abandoned, but it was purchased by this program to have a large hotel to bring people into that's close enough to the rural cities that, that you go work in. Um, for those week and a half that you do. Um, and the hotel was awesome. Like, it was awesome. It was not modern. Like, we didn't have AC. We didn't have, like, really nice bathrooms. But, like, we're right on the beach. We're in, like, this remote area. It was super cool. We're with 50 people from around the world that we just met when we got there. And I think Nick got a much less fulfilling job that he got to do. He was stirring concrete. And building a sidewalk at the hospital. So, you know, he was doing the good man's work, but it wasn't as fulfilling. I myself got lucky. I got to go to a small city and rebuild their park for all the kids. And what was cool about that was all the kids would come and hang out with us because this was during the summer. So all the kids weren't in school. They would come and hang out with us at the park. And we got a chance to experience. And and when I when I say city so that I could paint the picture for you guys, I mean... We're talking about the houses are built out of tin, and they have tarps as roofs. They have one convenience store. They have one church, and they have a park. That is literally the only thing available to these people in this little city. And forever, it's been known that the Costa Rican people are the nicest and happiest people in the world. It doesn't matter what they have. And and I literally did get to see that because – Two examples was we got to play a cool soccer game where we played the city in soccer and these kids are wearing no shoes on rocks. And I mean like bleeding out on the ground, like their feet are bloody and they are smiling ear to ear, chest bumping, dancing, scoring goals. And I mean, that shows you a lot, but I had a personal experience with one of the little boys who was constantly coming and and I, I was... We were still taking Spanish. My Spanish was pretty good at the time. And we didn't have, actually, interestingly enough, a lot of Spanish speakers that went to this. So I was able to talk a lot for other people and with just the kids. And I made a relationship with a kid who was seven years old. He lived right there. I saw his house. I mean, the house might be 80 square feet with him, his mom, his dad, and his sister. They have a tarp for a roof and nowhere they cook on a fire outside. Like, like that's what this thing and the kid comes up to me and he's telling me he's thirsty. So I gave him $10. And I mean, $10 goes a long way at this grocery store. I gave him $10 and I said, go buy whatever you want and bring it home. Because we technically weren't allowed to give them money, but I, I, didn't, I didn't care. I gave this kid 10 bucks. 
the kid goes to the store, buys himself a water, and buys me a water, and gives me my change back. And this is a seven-year-old who's like, I don't want your money. Like, I don't need it. The fact that you were able to, like, the fact that you even gave it to me and wanted me to go buy something was enough for me. Like, saying that in smaller kid terms. And the fact that he bought me a water, like, without asking, like, he wanted me to have what he had in that moment was so intense for me because I'm, 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 we're only 17, 16 years old. And I'm trying to, and I'm looking at this person's house, knowing what I have back home, and that this kid, didn't want to take the money, didn't want to use it for anything. All he wanted was for us to share water together, sit there and enjoy the park that we were building for him. And I mean, that is just so powerful. And, and, and it put a lot of things into perspective for us because we live, I mean, we're blessed. We live in beautiful Miami, Florida. Our parents have done really well for themselves. They've worked their asses off, all self-made individuals and have given us this awesome life. And for anybody listening, I challenge you to go to these other countries and go just try and volunteer for a week, two weeks, see what other people in the world live like and see how happy they are with the little bit that they have. And think about all the times that you bitched and complained about the stupidest stuff back home and it'll really put it into perspective. So I'm happy that Nick touched on that trip because it was, it was, it was really amazing. And I want to add on a, just on a on a sarcastic note first, because I have to do that. While while Andres was uh, was was breaking bread and having a little little sips of aguita with this kid from the from the city, I was in a I was in a group with um, me, a big Egyptian kid named Tizie, and seven girls. And I'll tell you what, the girls they 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 didn't really uh, they didn't really want to mix concrete and pave sidewalks. You know, shocker, they they didn't really want to. So it was me and Tizier who were the only ones working. And so it's pretty much, just so you guys know, if, if you're ever building a sidewalk, it's like one part rocks, two parts sand, and like two parts water. And then you got to mix it, you know, they have the mixer thing going. And then you got to, you know, you got to get it nice and flat. So we were doing that. Um, but I could but I could also relate to what I'm saying because all the kids in the town, we, we, we gave them like candy bars and stuff. and And, I mean, truly, like, those are some of the happiest people I've ever seen. Like, what? Honestly, way happier than like 99% of the Americans that I've seen. And that's my, that's my next, that's my question to you guys is that, and I also was watching a, a, a thing on Netflix the other day. It's a tribe and they're very primitive. Um, they, they're, they're like their entertainment is they get like these bamboo type sticks and they pretty much fight. The men fight, right? Shit out of they, yeah, they, they they smack the shit out of each other. And the first one to, like, fall because of the pain. You know, he loses and the other guy wins. But that's that's what the show's about. But really, what I'm trying to touch on is their mentality in life is, like, they're super happy. And I personally think that all of people who have less less in general and less complexities in their life, less less things to think about. Like, they don't have to think about, oh, I got to pay my bills, my car payment, and then I got to blah, blah, blah. They're happier. And Andres and I got to see that firsthand in Costa Rica. And, you know, I don't know. What do you, what, what do you guys think? Do you think that there's there's like a – do you ever feel like there's a part of you that would want to live a, a, a simpler life where um, money is like almost completely out of the picture and you're just kind of a uh, – I guess, I guess Americans would call it 
like going back in time and backtracking a few hundred years, whatever, to what we were? Like, what do you guys, what do you guys think? I definitely think about that all the time. And, and I was actually joking with my grandma recently and Nick and Ray know my grandma about the least technical savvy person you could ever imagine has an iPhone, but can't fathom having a password on it because how could she remember four numbers? Had a full conversation with me asking if when someone sells you that the bank mails the check to your bank, like someone takes that money and drives it to your bank and puts it in your account because she just couldn't comprehend how money was electrically transferred, electronically transferred from account to account. And we were just talking and I was like, I, I feel like I'm jealous of you. Like, I wish I lived in that time where I didn't have a phone. Like when I was leaving the house, like I would tell my boys at school, hey, we're going to meet at the Mickey D's on 163rd at four o'clock and we'd leave school at 2.30. You know, if you didn't show up at four o'clock, you missed it. You weren't there. But I didn't, there's no way for me to call my friend and be like, hey, are you going to make it? Or text him, where are you, bro? Like, I've been here for five minutes. I don't see you. Or have to notify people constantly like, hey, I'm leaving the house. Or to be like, oh, my God. Like, the other day I was thinking like, I want to turn my phone off. Like, let me turn my phone off for two hours just to feel like a disconnect. But then I'm like instantly, oh, my God, what if somebody needs me? Like, what if the odd chance that like one of my parents needs to get in touch with me in that moment? Or what if my brother is in a situation and I need to answer? And that's never happened. And it, I've had a phone for years. But just that immediate like impulse, it's like, oh, my God, I can't disconnect because like, what if I'm not there for somebody? What if I miss something? And, and I, I kind of wish I lived in that time where, you know, it didn't it didn't matter. Like you wouldn't know till the next day or you wouldn't know till you saw that person. You didn't have to check in or you didn't have to make a phone call and say hey mom like i'm leaving like if you're gone you're gone like they're they're not they're not worried like you probably went to see your friends you probably went to go meet at the park and shoot hoops and it's like there's now there's too many options like there's too many things to do there's too many ways to find different plans ideas it's literally so overwhelming it's like oh let's go out where there's 350 places oh let's go play basketball all right, where? There's 50 courts and we all live in different areas. Let's find one in the middle. Or let's go watch a movie. What movie theater? There's like 80 movies out and we can go to seven different types of experiences. You want to sit in the reclining chair? Do you want to go to the regular one? Do you want to go to the IMAX movie? Do you want to go to the 4D all-inclusive? It's just like too many options. I wish I lived, like you said, back in that time where it was simple. You had like three options. Yes, no, or maybe. One out. You're going to meet people here? Okay. You're going to go do this? Okay. You need to tell somebody where you're going? No, it's not their fucking problem. They're going to mind their own business. You're going to go do your own thing. But now it's like everybody's in everybody's business. And it's like cool to be like, oh, look at me. I'm here. Look at me. I'm here. And like, I think like everybody suffers from that because it's like that social status that's been built up with this social media and this constant connection where everybody like there's people from high school nothing against people from high school but like i don't really give a fuck like what you're doing like or where you're at or what you're up to and like i have to know now like like i uh, yeah there's some people from high school uh, like i have to know now what you're doing because i follow you on social media and i guess you could just unfollow the person but in the moment when I followed you, it was probably a situation where I needed to, you, we, we mutually followed each other. But now, six years later, I have to know that you're doing this or doing that or you're here or you're doing this. So it's just like, ah, I wish like it was just more simple. I mean, I have to do shit. 
I think uh, more money, more problems, man. The more money you have, the more it takes for you to feel fulfilled, in a sense, I feel like. The less you have, the more it means. So I think to a certain extent, people that don't have as much, not necessarily, like, not, I feel like in this country, it's not necessarily true. You know what I mean? I feel like in different places where there's not a lot of generational wealth or there's not a lot of, you know, there's not like a large middle class. I feel like that's, that's, that's mostly where you see people that are okay living with, with what they have. Like, like they're genuinely content. You know what I mean? It, it just, in, in that sense, it takes, it takes less for them to, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied, to, to remain happy. And I mean, I think that's definitely a beautiful thing. Man. It's definitely a beautiful thing. I think, I think it's great. Um, um, I, uh, I went to Costa Rica and, in 2015 and i had an absolutely great time dude like it's it's such a beautiful 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 country there's like you said there's so much to see there there's so many different types of terrain i mean you got the beaches you got the mountains you got volcanoes it's it's fucking nuts bro you got the rainforest i went i went whitewater rafting and our our guide pulled over to the side he's like you guys want pineapples I'm like what what like, what are you talking about you have pineapple with you he's like no like from right there like growing out of the ground I'd never had a pineapple at that stage in my life. I just, I, I wasn't interested by it. Dude, that was the best fucking piece of fruit I'd ever put in my mouth. This man pulled it out of the ground, fucking chopped it up right there. I was like, oh my fucking God, dude. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is the best fruit I've ever, and I, I eat pineapple now because of how good it was. And it's, it'll never be as good as it was growing from the side of the fucking whitewater rafting. It was ridiculous. And like next to the bananas are fucking nuts, dude. It is nuts. I've never had fruit like that in my life. Like everything that you do in Costa Rica is, is, is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, okay. Let's like we're going to skip the hot, the hot take here. So I can talk a little bit about my job experiences. All right, cool. Exciting. Um, I just want to make one thing. I'm not a fruit guy and I was devouring the fruit in Costa Rica when I was with Nick. Cause these guys like fruit. I don't like fruit. And I was eating shit that I don't like because it was so juicy. It was like candy, but good for me. And, and last thing, that's what, that's with all the food, man. And like, it makes me jealous. Like they go like that, like your example, right? He just pulls a pineapple, boom, out of the ground. And it's the best thing ever. And then here, the way it is now, it's like, do I get this fruit or do I, do, do I get that one? That one? That one, okay, I know they put these certain chemicals on it. And this one, I know that's, that's what, what it's come down to. Man. And there, it's just like, you want fruit? You want that one right there in the ground? Okay, hold on. Let me let me grab it. Like, I get jealous of it, dude. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a different life. Um, but it's it's awesome, dude. It's, it's, hold on. It's um, it's amazing. You, if you haven't been to Costa Rica, I highly, I highly recommend it. Um, I went to. Um, this isn't. You know, I'm just like I went to this past summer. I went to the Amalfi Coast, which has to be like my my favorite place on earth. To be honest with you, dude, it was the most amazing, breathtaking. Like I had a boat day that was just like honestly, it was one of the best days of my life, dude. Like I've I've never had a day like that and ever. 
I just pure happiness, bro. Drinking with my dad, drinking with my family, smoking cigars. Water was cold as tits, but it just did not matter. Like, bro, just absolutely impeccable views. Like, it was it was a beautiful experience. If you haven't been to the Mafia Coast, I highly, 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 highly recommend it. Um, like, probably the prime honeymoon spot in the world, I'd say. Like, that's definitely where I where I would want to go on my honeymoon just because of how oh, fucking okay. insane it is. I got a phone call from Ray drunk while he was in the Amalfi Coast saying something along the lines of, bro, this is, like, definitely where you should take Beatrice, like, on the honeymoon, bro. Like, this is, this, this is where babies are made, bro. This is beautiful. <laughs> I can guarantee you that a lot of babies have been made in the Amalfi Coast. I can guarantee you that. Um, but, no, man, I mean... Aside from that, I, w- I want to note how different travel has been since after COVID. I have never had, like, weird airport experiences or weird airplane experiences in my life until after COVID. Like, I, it's, I fly. I have to fly home from school, like, you know, whenever I do fly. Dude, and, like, I have not had one regular experience. Not one. Not one. Like, every flight I've had had some fucked up shits happen. So... Let's go. Let's let's go back. Let's go back. I went to go visit, and this is brother Nico in Tallahassee. Um, <laughs> I went to go visit, and this is brother. I'm gonna say the, I'm gonna say the beginning of the story too. I went to go visit, and this is brother Nico in Tallahassee from Kansas. So I need to take a connecting flight. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get airport drunk. I have to, right? Because like Tallahassee, this and that. I take down two double Tito's within ten minutes. That's four Tito's. <laughs> That's four Tito's. I am fucked up. I am very, very, very fucked up. Go to the bathroom. God, take a shit before you board any plane, boys. You have to take a shit. Because if not, you, rest the, you, you, you run the risk of shitting yourself on the plane, or even worse, having to shit in the bathroom. Yes, shitting in the bathroom on a plane is worse than shitting yourself on a plane. I said that. Anywho, I sit down, take a shit. I'm shitting. I am so drunk, I put my entire hand inside the toilet with the shit inside of it. Why? I miscalculated. I missed my butthole. <laughs> I went straight into the water. My hand is... I now have duty... I, have, I now have... <laughs> it's that... It's that wide that you missed it? No, the, it's just the bowl. The bowl was not that deep. Oh, okay. Okay, keep going. Yeah, shallow bowl. So, boom. Hand in duty water. Whatever. Hand up. You got Whatever. You got You got to fix it. You got to... Roll the punches. I'm done. I'm out of there. I sit on the back of the plane. Yes, I'm on the back of the plane. They, they de-upgraded my seat. I upgraded my seat. They de-upgraded me. Move me to the back of the plane. Whatever. I'm drunk. I don't care. I'm going fast. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. Um, I, I, um, I'm in the back of the plane. Everything's fine. Best. I'm, I have my earphones things. I don't talk to, you don't talk to people next to you on a plane. You, you, you can't. It's, it's, it's not proper. Brutus DeMarco does it. It's fucked up. Don't do that, people. Anywho. I'm fucked up on the plane. I have my earphones in. And I hear I hear yelling. I hear real life yelling. And I'm like, what's going on, man? What's going on? I turn around. It's literally happening right next to me. This woman is cracked out. Like, I look at her eyes. I'm like, oh, that person's on drugs. She, she's on drugs. She's screaming at the flight attendant. Like, screaming at her. And the flight attendant's not having it, bro. She's screaming right back at her. Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, this is, this is crazy. I only see things on Twitter. Like, I, I'm in this right now. It's happening. Um, And uh, I don't know. I don't know if it got 
I don't know how much it escalated, but I get very uncomfortable in this type of situation. I get secondhand embarrassment. So I was secondhand embarrassed for the cracked out lady. Um, but she, it was it was very uncomfortable. The, the, someone took a video and I started airdropping it around to like the whole plane. I got it. It was pretty awesome. Maybe we could plug it in here. I don't know. Uh, whatever. We land. Next flight. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Tahasee from Charleston. This guy, this guy in front of me is watching the entire Top Gun 2. The new, the new Top Gun. He's watching the entire thing with no headphones. No headphones. He's watching the action parts, and then when they would speak, he puts it to his ear. I had to watch, and he, and he's, <laughs> he's not wearing a mask, dude. And the person next to him was wearing a mask, and he's coughing across the aisle in their faces, dude. In like literally, like he's going like, like purposely, like, like in their face. Ridiculous. Whatever. Great time in Tallahassee. My, my most recent fight experience. Um, I don't sleep very well because my flights are always in the morning to Miami. Like, there's only two flights available, 6 a.m. or, like, 5 p.m. I want to get home as early as possible. So, when I go to the 6 a.m. flight, I need to wake up. I need to leave my apartment by 3 to get there on time. I have a car service pick me up. I don't sleep that night. I had just taken a final. I woke up at, like, 7 the previous day. I just don't, I don't go to sleep. I've been up for a very, very long time. Right, so I go through TSA, everything. I get there really early. I'm like, all right, I need, I need to go to sleep. Like, I need, like I'm in the airport. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not an airport sleeper, but I need to go to sleep. So I close my eyes. I, I close my eyes in the airport. I'm asleep for probably 45 minutes, and I open my eyes and I see this woman with one leg in a wheelchair, old, and she's approaching me from TSA, dragging. I'm like, no, no, no. Close my eyes again. Probably like a minute later, I open my eyes. She's getting closer. She's wheeling. She's dragging her foot, wheeling towards me. I'm like, God, please no. At this point, I'm just up, right? I'm just like on my phone, my earphones in, trying to avoid it. She gets right next to me. She taps me. Can you help me find my flight? Pass me your ticket. I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, I will help you find your flight. I'm in the American Airlines section of the flights. She's on Air Alaska. Oh man, okay. I walk to like the end of the terminal. I'm like, look, like your flight's not here. Like, it's probably over there somewhere. So, like, okay, can you find someone to wheel me over there? I'm like, oh yes, I will try finding someone to wheel you over there. I walk right back, like all the way down. Walk back, like, look, I couldn't find anyone. To, I couldn't find anyone to wheel you over there. Like, I'm, I'm really sorry. It's like, no, no, it's okay. And she, like, we just like looked at me, like waiting for me to offer, like to wheel her over there. And I was like, I got to go. My flight's boarding. Like, <laughs> like if my flight wasn't boarding, I would have done it. Like, I, I swear to you, I would have done it. But my flight was really boarding, and I didn't know where Alaska was. So, like, she, like, backwards wheeled herself back into, into the TSA to find, someone, to find someone to do it. And then the same day, bro, the same day. This is the last part, and then we'll end it. The same day. The same, the next flight, because I had, there's a connecting flight to Charleston. I got to Charleston. Charleston to Fort Lauderdale is an hour and 20 minutes, roughly, right? So we are, I'm on the plane to Charleston. I don't talk to people on planes. You, it's, it's, it's a social, it's weird. You just don't do it, bro. Put your earphones in and just be quiet. Put my earphones in. I'm not looking at the person next to me at all. Go to the bathroom. I come back. I sit down. Earphones still in. She looks at me. She goes, oh, he's a Dolphins fan. Like, loud enough for, like, I, I have to respond, right? Yes, yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm a Dolphins fan, yeah. And she's like, oh, we're Bills fans. 
I'm like, oh, and we were playing the Bills. They're like, oh, yeah, like tough game, like coming up. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, like I guess like chit-chatting. for. Oh, we're from Charleston, this and that, this and that. She goes, I brought 30 shooters of vodka through TSA. I go, what? She goes, I brought 30 shooters of vodka through TSA. I go, okay. She goes, yeah, I was worried. And she, I could tell she's drunk now after she told me this. Before, I, I just didn't tell. But she goes, yeah, I was worried because, like, you know, when when you uh, – when I was sitting next to you, I was and I was and I was speaking to my husband. Like I was worried because I thought you were going to smell my breath, and this whole thing's full of vodka. This is a 28, 28 ounce bottle of water with like like a squeeze, like a like a sucking cap on top. A vodka, full of vodka, and I'm like, oh my god. She's like, do you want some? I'm like, no, man, that's in violation of federal law. <laughs> and, and she, she's drinking, dude. She's drinking. Like she is so fucked up. Like repeating what she says louder and louder like how she is actively drinking on an airplane louder and louder and louder people are turning around dude and her glasses fall like and we're on like like the, the back is like it's, it's like a wall right and so like there's like no one behind us but your glasses fall she's like can you get those for me i'm like yeah like i got you like i don't know where they are but i could look and i have my long hair at the time right so like i'm bending over like into her seat to try finding it she combs her hair through. She combs. She combs her hands through my hair. She goes, "Your hair is so soft." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, like, thank you. Like, I really appreciate it." I get her glasses, and she's like, "He found my glass. This guy's the best. This guy's so cool. He's awesome. He's awesome. He's awesome." Wrapping up, I promise. He's awesome. He's awesome. He's so cool. Getting louder, 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 louder. I'm gonna fucking lose my shit, dude. Like, she is. She's touching me now. Like, she's like on my shoulder and shit. Her husband's right next to her. Bro, it is an hour and 30 and 20 minutes from Charleston to Fort Lauderdale. And she is like a nine out of 10 drunk before 12 o'clock. Like it was, it was ridiculous. And, um, uh, anyways, we land the plane, right? I'm like, all right, I need to get out of here. Like, this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is, this is it. And uh, you know how, when people leave the, when people leave the, uh, like when they deep plane, you're not supposed to pass a person that is, you know, in front of you. Like, it's just like, it's just a fucked up thing to do. So, and, then, and if you do need to pass somebody because you have a connecting flight, respectfully ask people, Hey, I need to get out of here. We're delayed. I got to get through. Yeah. I mean, that's just a proper thing to do, but there are certain situations where like, that's, that's not going to fly. And you're not, you're really not supposed to pass the people, the people that are, you're really not supposed to pass the people that are, uh, in front of you anyways like we're very far from being able to stand up and like start the deep planning process the lady looks at me and she goes get in the aisle i go what like i'm i'm very firm on my belief that you should not do this but i'm uncomfortable she goes get in the aisle <laughs> okay <laughs> like, all right i'm saying in the aisle now she goes get my bag for me my bags for me yes ma'am <laughs> yes ma'am get her two bags for her and now, and now she's just like crouched, like ready to go in the aisle. She's crouched like under the thing, like looking at me for a very long time. Anyways, things are moving along. Last part of the story. Things are moving along. He, he gets the, uh, he gets the, some dude that is behind this other guy, you know, like cuts in front of him before he can go. And this guy is very not happy about it. He's like, Hey man, what are you doing? Like, wh- like what are you doing? You, you gotta wait. And the guy like sizes him up and is like, "What? You, you gotta wait! Well, 
you gotta wait, motherfucker. Like some shit like that. And it's like it's getting loud. I'm like, oh my god. And the guy throws his dukes up. And then full blown man shoves him in the chest. Whew, down the aisle. And I'm like, oh my god, dude. Like every fucking fight I'm on, something happens. And um he they both throw their dukes up, and the drunk lady next to me goes, Boys! Hey, boys, cut it out! I want to get off this flight. You cut it out, bro. And I'm just, I'm, I'm like, oh my god! Like this is an absolute nightmare flight. This is a nightmare flight. Point is, if you want to travel, stay away from American Airlines. Stay away from it. Upgrade to first class. Literally, if I would have upgraded to first class, many of the things I just told you about would not have happened. And most importantly, do not bring a Chobani yogurt, the drinkable yogurt, on the flight. I tested tested positive for um, uh, explosives flying to Washington because they found the liquid, the Chobani yogurt. I'm in high school here. And then they're like, oh, we got to swab it. They swabbed it, tested positive for, 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 for explosives. So they had to bring me to the back room and they had to, you know, touch my balls, touch my knees, touch my elbows, all that shit. And they found out. I wasn't, you know, that wasn't me. I'm not that kind of guy. You know, I'm not that kind of guy. So I got to fly and I went to Washington. But do not, you're, don't bring yogurt on the flight. Don't, don't. You're not that, that guy. I'm not that guy. 